Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. Let's start off with show notes, Karen. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up in August on the 24th, which we are already wonderfully sold out for, and we still have very few tickets remaining for December 14th this year. Mm-hmm. We have a Sips of Sanity podcast show for those of you who'd like a shorter version of the Coffee with Sarlo show. It can be found on the website by sarlo.com, and they are 10-minute shows, roughly. There's five of them. They're at the beginning of each month. And you can go all the way back in the archives to 2016 and listen to them from the very beginning. And last but not least, we have personal sessions and gift certificates available. You can purchase them and experience sessions anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kelly, I'm excited to do today's show. Not more excited than me. I know that. <laughs> I had to breathe <laughs> to get ready. We asked people on Facebook to send in names of shows that they liked that had anything to do with the afterlife and dying and the process. And that as two mediums, we would cover it in today's show and go through what we saw in the TV series and chat back and forth as to what we saw and if we thought it was accurately portrayed or not. So today, our very first show doing this is on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, so we picked this one just to kind of start it off so you'd have an example of what we were looking for and how we were going to approach it to dissect it. Yeah. So we still welcome you to comment uh, or email us at info at com. If you have a TV show in mind, give us the episode number as well as the season that it belongs to. Mm-hmm. So we picked Grey's Anatomy Season 3, Episodes 16 and 17, because it's a two-part series. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will remember that one, Kelly. It's the one where Meredith... No, no it's the ferry boat accident. That's what I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the ferry boat that has uh, it blows up or there's some injury mm. is that right yeah it's a ferry boat accident and there's a whole mess of chaos going on and the doctors are responsible for triaging all of the patients on site yeah. and then transporting them to the appropriate hospitals so on and so forth what doctors do and in the second one you get to see where the doctors at Seattle Grace have to deal with certain issues around life and death as well we thought we would talk about all those different little issues so we're in episode 16 to begin with, right, Kelly? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you and I haven't seen each other's notes. That's right. So this is just back and forth, kind of surprise for both of us. Yeah. And like, I didn't really know everything that you were going to write or what we were going to do for people. So they're going to hear today that some of it is around before, after, during, all like there's a variety of things that I've written down. Mm, so you too? Okay, let's go. So I wrote down the opening kind of monologue that Meredith is kind of known for doing. Yeah. So that really caught my attention. It always does. And she wrote, like I said, disappearances happen, pain goes phantom, blood stops running, and people, people fade away. Oh, that's really neat. I didn't know you were going to start with that right there. I love it. Yeah, because it kind of sets the tone for death. Yeah. And the scene opens in this one where she is in a bathtub and she decides to kind of sink under for a moment or two. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, she's sort of playing with death mm-hmm. and she's not willing to admit it. But Derek pulls her out of the tub and doesn't really question anything, doesn't really confront anything. He doesn't? Just says, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And she just sort of, as Meredith does, doesn't really respond. Oh, wait a minute. So he does confront her. What are you doing? Okay. 
but she avoids. Yes, there's no further push. He asked a question, but didn't really, didn't really pursue it. Well, I think that's that's um, something people can relate to mm-hmm. because you're you're really afraid to push if they're not going to say anything. I think we're afraid to push that we might actually hear that they want to die. Yeah, and then what do you do, especially if they refuse to get any help about it? Now you know, and now you're helpless. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So in this episode, if you haven't seen it, they're dealing with all of the damages done by the ferry boat. And they're assessing everyone on scene. They're coming back to the hospital, like we said. But as far as we're concerned with main characters, nothing's really happened yet until Meredith is thrown into the water after she's seen a patient who goes into shock with the amount of pain that he has. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of when I started to focus. Now, I know we've kind of gone in and out focusing on different things, but I particularly went to the part when she was thrown into the water because what you see is her fighting. Mm -hmm. So she is put in a situation by another person accidentally, and we won't focus on that, where she has to fight for her own life. And you see her pumping her legs. You see her, you know, treading water and using her hands and her arms as much as she can. And then you start to see where the energy shifts, where she starts to sort of more surrender to the water. Mm -hmm. And the comment that's made is, there's more I have to say, so much more, but I've disappeared. Now that goes with the monologue at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you see her stop fighting. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was beautifully done. Because when we look at suicides... This is where we get to see where they made their choice. Mm-hmm. When there was the single moment of surrender or giving up or regret. Mm-hmm. And while it was an accident that she was thrown into the situation, you see her make a choice in what she wants to do with it. Yeah, absolutely, Kelly, because she falls over the side edge of something, which means she's not dumped off of a boat way in the middle of the ocean and she can't swim to shore. She's only a few feet from shore here. She literally falls over an edge. That's not going to take long for her. And then you see Derek carrying her up the stairs. So now you know that there's also stairs. So she literally just falls over an edge where there's access to a set of stairs, like within feet of her. And I think for her character, this, this really showed how she had been fighting for so long. You see in the first three seasons, and I know we won't be able to dissect every show this way, but you see in the first three seasons or two and a half that she fights with her mom. She fights with the idea of who she's supposed to be as a gray. She fights with her career, her friends, her intimate relationships. She fights for everything. She fights for other people to stay alive all day, every day as a surgeon. Yes, and for justice as well in that process. And then you just see in that moment where she surrenders or gives up, however you want to word that, you sort of see where we evaluate that it's just not worth fighting for anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, or from what I've seen in, in listening to people from the other side, they get to spell out that evaluation process Mm -hmm. and what belief they chose to accept. Yeah. And that the, the fight, as you said, was every day and in so many ways every day that when somebody finally gets to a point of suicide, and is able to carry it out, or at least attempt it, it isn't one particular thing usually. It isn't one particular moment that they make the decision. And sometimes, as in this particular show, 
She didn't select that moment. She took an opportunity that was presented. I love that. Yeah. I I like to word it in that it's an intuitiveness of the release we know we will get. We know that death gives that to us. And I think people... Yeah, because I think humans will call it a hope. We have to hope that whatever is on the other side is better than what we're doing here or fighting for here. But I think it's an intuitiveness. Yeah. Because it's where we came from. Oh, I like that. So it's an inner knowing that the other side will give us peace. It will give us love. It will give us everything that we truly, deeply within our hearts want our experience here on earth actually to be. I I wanted to do a good job of representing both sides and it being a choice for better options on the other side, but also a surrender of not being able to fight anymore. Mm-hmm. And that hopelessness can be brought on after so long that we spend fighting and that that's where fatigue and anger are born from. Well, and, and it's hope. It's hope too, though, Kelly. Yes, but I wanted to yeah. show both sides. Yeah, I get it. But and there's a hope that the other side will be all those things. So you shift where your hope lies, right? I'm just rewording. I understand. I know from the look on your face, I'm rewording it. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. We are talking about decisions around suicide. Yeah, because I think some people won't use the pause button and rewind. Yeah. And, and sometimes the way it's reworded, you can focus on that she's hopeless about here. Or you can focus on she has hope that there's more on the other side for her. And as humans, when someone suicides, we focus on the fact that they were hopeless. Mm. Not hopeful. Yeah. That's the point I was really trying to sit with. There was a wonderful little point in episode 16 between George and Alex when they were in the morgue looking to identify the bodies. They were trying to find somebody. And well, George was trying to find a child and Alex was trying to find a pregnant woman. And they were in the morgue together when George went and opened up a body case, meaning that there is a dead person inside and they have them wrapped in a case with a zipper. He opened one of these cases of many in this room and the body was flipped upside down and you instantly hear George's disgust. And he's like, come over here, Alex, you got to help me flip this body. Because he wants to put the person face up. And Alex says to him, does it really matter? Like, who's it going to matter to? He's dead. And George goes to, yes, it matters. It's respecting the body. It's respecting that this was a person, that there was a soul in here, that there still is a soul existing somewhere. So George sits in everything that matters And Alex can't see that anything matters. A person's dead. It's just a body. Who cares? So I picked that because I thought it was such a beautiful moment to be able to say to people, George is right. It matters. Because quite often as mediums, our messages are based around time of death. Who was there? Were they touching dad? Did I hug him? What did I say to him? Did he hear me? Does he know all of those types of things? The spirit knows. George is right. Their spirits know how they were treated. The the body itself when it was left behind. That's right. Yeah, we even hear when they're laying in their casket at their own funeral that my hair wasn't done properly. Yeah, or that they got cremated versus buried. Or that neither one happened. They died in the water somewhere. 
I think it's interesting too in terms of past lives because we're looking at all different gifts here we can hear that throughout lifetimes our souls felt disrespected our souls felt like we weren't seen and in this case where you hear that someone was laying face down with no regard for decency that is carried from lifetime to lifetime where we feel worthlessness mm-hmm. because it's been shown to us time and time again you think about war situations kelly where people are bombed or on a battlefield and the bodies are strewn all over the place and then you would hear that the people in the community dug a grave for them and had a burial for them well i think it's why you see so many of the same troops go back for their men and want to pay them the respect and the honor that they know they deserve. Yeah. They want to retrieve the body so that it can be, quote unquote, laid to rest. Meaning, meaning that we respected them. That we valued them. We valued the life they led. Okay, so now back to the episode. This entire episode kind of exists in the chaos. And there's different issues going on. People re- are being treated at the site. It's not until more toward the end of the episode that Meredith is brought back to the hospital and we really see her soul fighting for life and we see the people around her fighting for her as well. Mm -hmm. And I really, I picked a different part in here where the interns have all gathered around because they've just found out it's one of their own, that it's, that it's Meredith. And Izzy makes the comment, I believe that Denny is always with me. So Denny died in season two. Massive spoiler alert if you have not watched this show. You should not be listening to these episodes. Um, But she's talking about her beliefs. She talks about calories not counting if no one watches you and a couple different things. She's talking about a belief system, which I thought was really cool too. But I focused on the part about death where she said, I believe Denny is always with me. And I really like that because she also said, we will get through this. And she was expressing a belief of no separateness which I thought was beautiful. And it is what we talk about in terms of oneness. It's what we talk about when we are referring to prayer or meditation. And she even said, I believe that believing we will be okay is what makes us okay. I had all the same points on Izzy. I thought Izzy just killed it in this show. Yes. And George, I thought it was wonderful the way that she... um, illustrated for everybody perfectly what how strong beliefs are and mm-hmm. how important they are and if they're good positive healthy beliefs how we can be good positive healthy people and if we have very negative beliefs how we are very negative people yeah and i wanted to to take this opportunity to say that yes this worked out nicely because mary lives in the end spoiler alert but it doesn't necessarily mean that the belief system makes the person live mm-hmm It's what allows us to be okay in the process. Mm -hmm. Because when we believe in no separateness, even when the person dies, we are okay. We can find love. We can find peace with the situation. Mm -hmm. I thought the way, and I'm just going to reiterate what you said, but the way that they showed how Izzy was trying to get through that whole process was through the belief in that. So that whether she lives or dies, I'm going to get through this. And some other people think, No, I can only get through it if she lives. And I think she also really did a great job or the writers did a great job in stressing that we get through it as a community. Mm -hmm. She was trying to pull the interns together to get through something that was so heavy with grief 
mm-hmm. and that and we, we don't get through it very well if we're not doing it together. Well, I think families who are listening to this and have been through an experience where you're all sitting at emergent or at a hospital bed, you know, for days, hours, months, minutes, years, seconds, whatever it is, Cal, that you can either be a community as a family and friends around someone's passing, or you're you are very separate from each other. So now I want to jump to where we find out that mare flatlines. And this is at the very end of the episode. Obviously, it's the cliffhanger. And I wanted to take this beautiful opportunity to plug last week's podcast about time shifting. Oh, okay. Because now we understand that we're being set up. Well, if you know TV, you know you're being set up for something. And this is the near-death experience. And this talks about the entire time shift or time travel that we do as a soul, even though the human body might only experience it for a couple of minutes or hours. Yeah. And I said, as I said, Kelly, some people can experience that over months and years. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the episode, you see that she's in an OR room. She's waking up sort of on the other side. And I say sort of because they've portrayed it as like a middle kind of limbo area. And she's with Denny, who's crossed. She's with Dylan, the bomb squad guy from a previous season. And it shows time stopping perfectly. I said, I think they did such an incredible job of this particular moment. Um, just demonstrating a number of conversations and situations that can happen on the other side within a time frame where our heart stops. Yeah. I also think that this was really accurately and well done um, because it's not necessarily immediately that our loved ones or angels show up to greet us yeah. when we're on the other side. Yeah. It's significant message carriers. Yeah especially when you're in a near-death experience. They're not there to gather you. They aren't the white light saying you're on the other side. It is a sort of limbo where significant souls are there to help you. Yeah. And they're there to help you with positive stuff. And the patience. I think they did a beautiful job with patience, but we'll get into that when we go into the second episode. Yeah, sure. I like, too, that they showed that she still had a body because people still do when they first go through the near-death experiences hold on to their body they hold on to what's familiar she held on to the or because it's her most familiar thing through her whole life and scrubs including her childhood because her mother had been a physician as well in a hospital a surgeon so it is her most familiar place to be which i thought was perfect the way they took that and showed that's what she experienced first when she crossed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the first episode that we are doing. We're done. Yes. Okay, let's move into the second one then. Okay. So episode 17. Do you want to start, Kelly? Yes, I want to start with the monologue again. Because the monologue talks about miracles in medicine happening every day that they can't explain. And I want to discuss that kind of more towards the end, but I just sort of wanted to put the bug in people's ear. Sure. Okay. So... This I absolutely loved because the opening scene of episode 17 is when Meredith is sitting upright in kind of like a very anticipatory way. Mm-hmm. Denny and Dylan are still standing there. And I thought the humor that was infused in this was adorable. How the two men are bickering about how to approach her. <laughs> I just I thought that was such a great way to introduce everything because humor is still involved in the soul's process. Yeah. And it's something that got through in life to Mare, too, on Earth, was her sense of humor. Yeah, and and dark humor, too. Yes, very much in the show, where Mare and Christina went to the dark side of things all the time. 
So when she initially talks, I thought this was really cute too, because she goes into her very human experience and she's trying to reason that this, what she's experiencing is just an effect of an anesthetic. So she has the wherewithal that Mm -hmm. she's under anesthetic, Mm -hmm. which as we know as mediums is totally accurate or psychics. And so she's talking about this being the ketamine experience. The what? The ketamine, like the drug in the anesthetic. Okay. She's saying that this must be an effect of the drug because if her brain was actually in charge, she would have definitely seen her dog first. Right. Which I think we can so relate to as animal lovers. Right. Which is exactly when her dog appears. Yes. As soon as she has the conscious thought of what she should be thinking. Yeah. And I wanted to emphasize this point because of course the dog shows up because our loved ones are never withheld from us. Yeah, but that's what I was trying to say. As soon as she has a thought that where she can identify what she would normally think if it was positive, she gets it instantly. And I'd like to say the same thing as you, but reword it as a need. Perfect. Because when we're going through that experience, and she is obviously experiencing anxiousness throughout the episode, the dog is what makes her feel calm, safe, and loved which is what the other side tries to give us. Exactly. They give us what we need as soon as we're able to understand our need. Perfect. That is so important. So if someone has crossed over and bullied people all of their lives and they need forgiveness, as soon as they recognize they need it, they get it. So then next, Dylan is the one who kind of steps forward and says, we're here because you called us here. Yeah. And I love the way that that was worded or written because we constantly say as mediums, when we're channeling dead people, when we're talking to the actual human, you can call on them anytime. Mm -hmm. And the soul knows who and when to call. Mm -hmm. I particularly liked that these two people showed up, Dylan and, and Denny, because they were two people that were very significant in her life that are able in this part of her near-death experience to help her reflect on her own life and her own death process. Oh, see, and I think that's really interesting, Kelly, because she wanted her dog to come Mm -hmm. and the dog helps her avoid. She wanted, when her dog came, she wanted to avoid all of those issues. She wanted a distraction. Yeah, and you can see too that when Doc finally leaves the scene... She um she goes into repeated anger and shifting the focus. Yes. Yeah. And I think that was very dramatized, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. But that, that does occur. Yeah. So I think it was accurate, but dramatized for TV purposes. Oh, yeah. I think that Shonda Rhimes did an outstanding yes. job in these two episodes. Absolutely. I like in the dialogue between the men and Meredith that in this near-death experience, her human beliefs are challenged. Uh, And then we can realize our views that we've held on to for so long can be nowhere near accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our views, our beliefs, our actions, we find out that they were all based on lies. Mm -hmm. When people book an appointment with us, Kelly, and they really want to hear from their soul truthfully, they are going to have access to those moments while they're still here on earth Mm -hmm. so that they can make those changes now instead of waiting for that process when they die. Yeah, because we don't all get near-death experiences to learn those lessons. And I've written down here too, like she's asked about her process of dying Mm -hmm. in the water and she avoids it, which just goes right back into 
and is very consistent with her self-destructive patterns. Yes. Anger, redirecting the issue to someone else or misdirecting. Um, and, and they are there as souls to hold her accountable. So you can verbally abuse others. You can verbally abuse yourself. You can emotionally abuse yourself on earth. But the first process that you go through when you cross over is the end of that road. And it's all done with love. And when you watch this episode, you can see it in those actors' eyes, how they are portraying that they still love her and that they will help her get through it. And I find that fascinating because Dylan isn't somebody that she knows personally. These are not men that she lived with before that time in the show as perhaps a spouse. These were people that were in the hospital. These were experiences and relationships that were not that close. Well, and Dylan in particular was someone that she didn't like. Yeah. That was a very combative personality when he was alive. And yet on the other side, he comes through with complete compassion and love. And I think too, if you actually go through or back to his episodes, He's the guy that follows policies and procedures to defuse bombs. Mm -hmm. He is the person that even though you're scared and you're upset and angry about what's happening, he's the one that makes you feel safe. Mm -hmm. I do like on a light note that as they're discussing this, Denny asks her what happened in the tub and she has her moment of, you see me in the tub? And I like bringing that up because we have done that in a previous video when we've talked about the souls seeing us in all these different situations. And I do love that even when this moment happened on TV, nothing was sexualized. Yeah. They did not let any hint get into the dialogue, the script, the the, um, nonverbal components. Nothing was sexualized. Yeah. He just simply says, we know things. Yes. And he says it that way. We know things. Not... We saw, I saw. It's alluding to intention. Yeah, that's right. And the intention of the truthfulness, the integrity, the desire to help. Not, as you said, sexualizing something and throwing out its value. Mm-hmm. I really like the point, Kelly, or the part when Mare says um, she drowned and that's it, that's all. She, and she keeps repeating it like over and over again in this episode. And I, I looked at that a couple of times and I realized she's, she's someone who thinks science means that it's just facts. And yet we know Mare is all about faith and intuitiveness and all kinds of other aspects of her soul. But in this moment, she wants to just stick to the facts. That's it. That's all. Um, I, I drowned. That's it. She wants to move on because she thinks if I just stay there, I can accept what is factual. It's clean. It's neat but I don't have to feel anything. And if I don't have to feel anything, I'll be okay. And that's where Denny and Dylan have to sit there with her and be able to question or try to hold her to it, that she actually has to feel something, acknowledge it and process the feeling. And so here's our idea of crossing over. We can we just slide through? Do we stay the same that we were on earth? If my dad was a nasty old man, is he still a nasty old man? No, we have to go through process. Well, yeah, and it comes back to the beginning of the episode when she's petting Doc and they're like, Mary, we need to talk. And she's like, oh, it sucked. I'm, I died. Mm-hmm. It's like, like you say, I don't want to, I don't want to think. I don't want to hash it out. I'm just here. Yeah. So if I'm on earth 
and and I and I'm not nice to people or I'm in a job I don't like or whatever it is that I'm trying to avoid. Maybe I drink, maybe I, I abuse, maybe I'm an avoider. Oh, there's a variety of things us humans do, right? We think we're getting away with it. That's that's the whole point of this. And that when you first die, when you first cross over, or it's a near death experience, you learn that there is no getting away with anything. There's no being able to shove things down and avoid process. So if somebody's listening to this and goes, Oh, thank God, because it now means that if somebody raped you, they have to feel it. They have to know what they did to you. If somebody abused you in any way by avoiding you, by minimalizing you, betraying anything, anything and everything, we have to then go through that process. And that's what Shonda Rhimes was showing. This is process. And there is no running from it. None. Zero zip. So while she's in this afterlife or limbo area, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that these key people, because there's a patient that comes forward afterwards and one of um, a scrub nurses that was her patient as well. There were there are actually four people that walk her through this process eventually. They will give her really key pieces of information and then they disappear. And I really wanted to point out that I believe this was dramatized, that this was to create suspense in the show. And while they did a great job for the show's purpose, I want to be clear as a medium that I have never once seen anything like this. You do not experience loneliness or abandonment Mm -hmm. in this process. That's right. You're helped and guided through it. It isn't to punish you as Mare felt she was being punished over and over again, reliving all of these things. Mm-hmm. It is very, very different. That part was inaccurate for me. Mm-hmm. But I liked how she went into the situation with the bleeding girl, Bonnie. Yes. And how Bonnie kept creating drama for her. And, and, and what I wrote down about that was that Bonnie was creating a drama so that Meredith could feel like I'm going to have control I want to fix her. If I have control over something, I'm going to be okay. That was one of Mare's beliefs on earth. Which is interesting because if you remember Bonnie as a patient, they had one choice to save one of the two patients when Bonnie came into the OR. And that's when Meredith had her freak out about what about her? Why doesn't her life matter as much as the man we are actually saving? Mm-hmm. And on the other side, she's a significant person because Mara was fighting for Bonnie as a doctor, paralleling her own life, trying to fight for herself yeah. when that love triangle was happening between um, the two shepherds. Yeah. Okay. And then Bonnie says to her, how can you be a surgeon and have so little respect for life? And when she, what she's really doing here, eh, Cal, is that she's saying Mare can't face her own feelings about her own choices her own decisions, the events that she creates in her life. And that instead, because she can't deal with any of that, she creates a drama. And that's one of the reasons why she picks surgeon in life. So when we cross over Cal, I found that they portrayed that quite well, in that we get to go back and look at why we would pick a certain career, perhaps, and what it might serve its purpose for in our life purposes of what we're there to learn. So if it's to be able to, as in this case, actually feel our feelings instead of creating dramas, then we have that opportunity on the other side to be confronted by those people 
that can remind us of our pattern. That I thought she did quite well. I agree. And I think the fact that Bonnie asked the question, how can you be a surgeon and have such little regard for life, really puts it in her face that she chose a career that could have allowed her to address feelings day by day, and she does for patients, but she actually uses the very career that could have helped her work through her own emotions and uses it to avoid. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, Kel, some people could ask the question then that if you live your life on earth and you don't avoid, you are not an avoider, you are not a withholder, you do not do those things, do you still have an in-between stage to work through things? And I would say that I've seen some souls that don't that really do live a life of integrity and really don't have to go through that between stage to figure some of that stuff out. Well, let's also keep in mind that this is a near-death experience. So it's not an in-between limbo upon death. It's actually near death. Yeah. So this isn't the same if a Catholic's listening to purgatory. That's right. So I want to move to the moment where she's sitting with Denny and she actually gets real. Mm -hmm. And starts to talk about that single second where she thought, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Because here's where everything actually got honest. Okay. I love the way that they had a one-on-one intimate conversation in that episode. I thought that was very well done. It was so respectful and kind and patient. And it showed that you can have these moments on the other side where you're not having to fear being judged. Yeah. You're not having to fear being mocked. Yeah. Just safe, eh? Yeah, because she does have to admit in this moment that it was, at that point, suicide. Yeah. I also want to say, too, though, in our practice that we have had moments where we can go into that person's afterlife and see where they've actually confessed or disclosed, however you want to put that, their entire thought process when they were about to commit or were committing suicide, and that they can also express they've had a moment of regret. Yeah. That they regret that single moment, but they're at a point where they can't reverse what they've done. And so they do die. Yeah. And they can regret what it's going to do to other people. I think that's really big for people to hear that if somebody does take their own life, that they do have a moment of regret because it means it's a moment of, did they think about me? Did they think about what it would do to me? And that they do. But like you said, it doesn't mean that they always get to come back as Mary did. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is too late and they have to make the journey to the other side. It's with that regret. Yeah, I like that. And I and I love the fact that as mediums, any medium gets to give that message to a person on earth because we need to hear it to, to heal ourselves, right? Okay, so then one of my favorite moments in the episode was when Denny, in the same same scene, mm-hmm. was sitting up against the wall and his face changes because at this moment, he's in the same spot at the same time with Izzy. Yeah. And he talks about um, being in the same spot at the same time and the feeling that you get. And I just thought the actor did such an incredible job with his facial expressions mm. and the softness in his voice to show how connected you can be in a moment. What I do want to say, though, is they really emphasize the point that that's all you get. And that is entirely untrue. That's right. So while they dramatized it and made it really, really beautiful and romantic, it also creates a feeling of desperation and sadness and loneliness. And that part I have not experienced from the other side. Yeah, I felt really disappointed in that 
in that show. I remember being, like you said, really happy when it was being built up the proper way. And I thought, oh, thank God, they finally got this mm-hmm. right. And then they got it so wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, my God, they fucked up something so bad that people need to know is not true. Yeah, because then I've got written down here, we have dreams and signs, we have interactions, interventions yeah. at as many places in all at one time. And it's never happenstance. Denny doesn't just happen to be in the same spot as Izzy as a dead person. Izzy doesn't just happen to be in the same spot as a dead person. They actually come to us. They they participate in our life with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they made that look like he didn't know it was coming. Yeah. And of course, maybe Izzy doesn't know it's coming. But as far as I know from the spirit world, they know it's coming. They know that they're going to be around their human. They pick mm-hmm. and choose when they're going to do it. They're in full control. Mm-hmm. So that to me sucked badly. Yeah, agreed. Because it totally made it look like he was shocked and that some other source, maybe Izzy or some other being in the universe orchestrated that and neither one of them knew it was coming. And I thought, how horrible. Because love just wouldn't do that. Love is not like that. It's in, in its truest, simplest most beautiful form which is what the universe truly is it would never have shocked Denny it would have been something that he had conjured up wanted to experience and created the same way that earlier in the episode Izzy says I believe Denny's always with me yeah they got that part so right and then contradicted themselves so badly that there you've said that great Kelly because it is too much of a contradiction and when we have contradictions in things that should be clear concise, honest, and loving, that's when we get confounded. And that is not kind. So to go back and really sit in that, we have to know when we have those moments that they purposely set out to love us in those moments. We need to know that. That's truthful. So still in the same scene, Mare asked Denny a question and Denny responded, I don't know, this isn't my afterlife, it's yours. And I really loved that one. Because while there's a oneness, we all do pass and go to have our own experiences to Mm -hmm. learn our own lessons to make sure our soul grows. Yeah. So even though technically, I know this is kind of difficult to explain, even though technically we're all still together, we're still going through our own process. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to point out that oftentimes as mediums, we get to channel the fact that while they are in many places at once, the souls that are on the other side, they can still interact with us while they're off getting their other lessons and that our timelines overlap and that our afterlives can overlap. Mm-hmm. And we, But we still continue in the other lifetime, very similar to this one, experiencing our own different purposes. Mm. I liken that to when you put like a glass of water and you put a little, a drop of blue dye in it. And at the beginning, you know, when you first cross over, that that dye just goes into certain areas. You learn certain skills. You might want to be with three or four of your kids all at the same time. But that as you're on the other side, you can spread your energy and be in a billion places at the same time or fill the whole glass of water. And that you literally can become pure energy, meaning that you can be everywhere. Okay, I'm going to move on, Kelly, to the part where Derek is talking And he refers to the fact that her mom broke her and that she inserted a belief in Mare that she's ordinary. 
that she's like everyone else, meaning she's not good enough. That she has to be not like everybody on earth. She has to be extraordinary. And I really like that because then they're showing when a belief is inserted into a person. The very beginning, that moment when you hear it maybe the first time, and then you absorb it as one of your beliefs. And from that, then you start making decisions and you start having dialogues in your own mind about who you are. And how when you have a near death experience, or when we cross over, we get to see those moments when the core beliefs are inserted. And then we get to see how they affect how we choose and make decisions in our life. Okay, so I think that's going to be a complicated point to make because had Ellis not died in that episode, that wouldn't have been relevant to the afterlife crossing over the death and dying process. You're talking about a human experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'll say lucky for us, Ellis dies in this episode. Yeah. Um, so I want to join our points together. Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. I th- yeah, because I know I lumped all of that like as a bigger piece. Okay. So following Derek saying those things, the point that you just made, Mare ends up seeing her mom on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was wonderfully oh, done. Yeah. I think they did this fantastically because we got to see that we do have an awareness of other people crossing on the same linear timeline as us. Yeah. So she knew as she was under and was experiencing her near death that her mom actually crossed. Yeah. Cal, can I stop for just a second and insert there for people listening that I've seen this in sessions when a person will come through and say, oh, I know when I was dying, my granddaughter was being born. And the person mm-hmm. will say, oh my God. I, and they, they needed to know that mm-hmm. because their dad may have passed away as the, his daughter was giving birth in another part of a hospital or in another city. Or he was in a coma and didn't know. Yeah, and we've also seen two channeling people when they've had like, I'll say a similar, well, in the same accident as each other where one crossed and we're channeling that person, they might say, um, I died first, but I stayed in the car to help them with this and they survived. Yeah. So they show their presence, even though they're on the other side, and they can still be a part of our timeline. Yeah. And that what I love about this is that the same, same messages come through, I never get tired of saying these messages, that they're about love, that they're about those feelings, they're about wanting to be they're wanting to connect. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest and maybe the only message we really need to give is that if you don't get a feeling of love or an understanding of love when someone's showing you an afterlife experience or a near death, it's not accurate. Mm. It's not done well and you don't need to accept it. Do you mean when someone's explaining that like in terms of TV and movies when yeah. they're doing stuff like that? Yeah. Like when they're showing zombies or, or even sh- in their home where they're saying, is my house haunted? Oh, yeah, I I hear you. Right? (laughs) Yeah, that's TV stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so then to continue that on, I so appreciated that they shared this embrace where Meredith could actually get her closure because this is where her mom said you are anything but ordinary. Right. And she clarifies what she actually meant. This was the piece that gave Meredith not just closure, but the perspective to be able to come back. Because if you go back to what she said about giving up, her thing was, what's the point? She just had the moment of what's the point? And so her mom was able to give that peace back to her. 
so she could understand purpose. She could understand the point of her life. Mm -hmm. And I think that was important to point out because while you're describing the human experience that Derek and Alice shared before she crossed, that tells us as mediums that a trigger moment exists, but I don't think audiences will understand when it happened. I don't think they'll be able to pinpoint exactly how it happens. We just know it's insidious. Yeah, absolutely. Because life isn't so simple sometimes. And I thought it was very interesting um, and very consistent. I won't say nice or good, but very consistent to Ellis's character that even when she gives Meredith closure and perspective, she does not use the words, I'm sorry. Right. That sometimes we still don't get the apology that we need. Yeah. But we need to do enough with the message itself to change. Well, it makes me think about so many treatments, Kelly, where I refuse to give the message, I'm sorry to somebody, unless the person who's crossed over, the dead person talking to me, explains exactly why and what they did and what they learned, how they changed. It's so important to be able to say, this is what he did on earth. This is how he spoke to you. This is how bad it was. It's important to explain that. It's not because I want to hurt the client by making them relive it or by saying, now I know what your shame is. No, it's so important to validate the experience because the person who's died has to say, I'm acknowledging who I was as a human being. Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging that I'm on the other side and I'm now doing the work I avoided doing on earth. Mm -hmm. And I've changed enough to show up in love today to say I'm sorry and that is a process I think this the fact that Alice dies in this episode and she says to Meredith run meaning that kind of cliched run into the light go back I thought that was really neat because it was giving Meredith the freedom to come back and actually be herself instead of being under the thumb or under the name of Alice yeah It allows her to find her own and create her own identity. Yes. And I think a lot of people can identify with that where they do feel free once that parent, I'll say, dies. Oh, yeah. Some people wish for a parent's death Mm -hmm. so that they can finally create their own identity. And I think it's very brave of the people who try to do it while their parents are still on earth. Yeah. And have to do some walking away and creating space or setting boundaries or doing it with the parents around and fighting or doing it any way that they need to. Mm -hmm. But that individuating is one of the biggest goals we have to achieve here on earth. That's one of the biggest responsibilities and rights. Yeah. And I say rights. I throw that in there too, because I think a lot of parents who are not ready to let their children individuate, take that right away from us. Oh my God, yeah, they can be in their 90s or 100 years old and still wanting to hold on to an 80-year-old child. So the very last point I want to make, or part that I kind of want to dissect here, is the closing monologue. Because she ends the show by saying, we take our miracles where we can get them. We reach across the gap and against all odds, against all logic, sometimes we touch. And I hate to end the show this way, but I think that's absolute bullshit. I think that was terribly done. This came from someone who remained human in a fixed mindset about what connection actually means to the afterlife. Yeah. And they say it in this nice way. They put some nice music behind it and yeah. it sounds uplifting, but it's desperate as all fuck. Yeah. 
I wanted to say that for the souls on the other side, connections are always possible. The upsetting part is that they become dependent on the human person to be open and not have the closed belief system so that you can connect and acknowledge it. Yeah, it doesn't right. mean the connection doesn't happen. It just means that you as a human have not worked hard enough to acknowledge. Yeah. Every medium knows that. Every single medium knows that. Yes. Touch is always possible. Yeah. Whether it's the heart or the hands. Yeah. Oh, I like what you did. So overall, Kelly, I found she did some things or she, I don't know, because Shonda Rhyme doesn't, doesn't write every single show. She's got other writers. So... I I don't want to put that all on her, but some of the things I found were very, very good in her Mm -hmm. show. And I was so happy to watch. And I thought, wow, this is great to help people come out of a fixed mindset about the afterlife. And at other points, I thought it was absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. So I was very conflicted overall in that, in those two shows. Yeah. And I, and I'll say to her credit, and I will not be able to say this when we dissect viewers who send in their own shows, because I know, I feel like I know this one inside out. What she lacks or what the show lacks in kind of giving a better example of the afterlife, they do make up for in human connection. Yeah, that's very true. They do always make a big effort to create and cultivate our human connections while we're here experiencing Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, we can give her kudos for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I look forward to doing this again, you know. Yeah, and I so look forward to people sending in their requests. We're still asking you to send in the show title, the season, and the episode number, and we will do it just like this format that you've heard today. We'll dissect and tell you what they did really well in our experience as mediums, medical intuitives, um, and our experience with the afterlife. Yeah, love doing it. Hope we get to do more. Thank you. Well, thank you too, Kelly. This was fun. If you guys have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Again, we need show titles, the season number, and the episode number. Have an excellent weekend.